listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 21st of June 2021. Later, women are leading the jobs recovery, but progress on total gender equality remains slow. But first to the Australian share market, because it had a pretty bad day. The S&P ASX 200 down 1.8%, 7,235. That, though, is the worst session in a month as investors react to words from a member of the US Federal Reserve suggesting rates will rise sooner than expected instead of 2023 in the US to 2022. On the market, the Commonwealth Bank was one of the biggest losers, down 5.4%, and all up the 200 lost around $42 billion. For more, I spoke earlier with Joe Youssef from Curve Securities. Joe, the Australian share market's been slammed today because of comments coming out of the US suggesting interest rates will rise even earlier than what even the US Federal Reserve said that they would just last week. So what's the market thinking? Look, Richard, first and foremost, it's something that I've been articulating for quite some time. I think the um, fiscal response from central, uh, from the uh, you know the, the various governments around the world has been brilliant to, to COVID, but I think the uh, the monetary response has definitely been um, um, uh, the initial response was appropriate. I think you know. Um, Interest rates globally are way too low in terms of uh, where they're positioned. So I don't, I don't see, I don't see that as necessarily a surprise. What's changed in, in so much as the United States has a lot of people like myself have started to advocate that we need to move interest rates further north than previously advocated, or certainly what the central banks have been advocating. I think the evidence clearly has been in terms of economic growth and inflation, the states, especially even stronger than Australia, has been enjoying as um, uh, in terms of growth and um, inflation figures. But the market has also had this headwind or this these this this uh, steadfast central banks who have been up until recently really, really adamant that they're not going to move rates. So, Joe, if the US central bank is likely to lift rates earlier than expected, is the RBA on that same path? I wish they were, Richard, to be brutally honest. Uh, I mean, I look at New Zealand. Nothing's impossible. It was only a few weeks back that New Zealand was uh, being touted as possibly going to negative interest rates. And now they're being espoused as the most likely in the Southern Hemisphere to raise rates first. So anything is possible. I think the RBA... Uh, I've been advocating the RBA should at least go back to pre-COVID interest rates at 0.75%. I think at that level there, you're not running a major risk of of uh, uh, of having a massive negative impact on the sh- the rampant share and property markets. And I'm cognizant that we need to manage that. But uh, I, the but the Reserve Bank has admitted now that their their uh, infl- inflation forecast moving forward may be above that 3% band, which is a little bit more hawkish than what they have been in recent times. So I think the Reserve Bank's hand's going to be forced, to be brutally honest. I think we're going to get an interest rate hike much sooner than many are expecting, and more and more commentators and analysts in the market are starting to share that view. Okay, so given that, and and in the context of the share market falling pretty hard today, what does all of that mean for investments then? The moment the RBA stopped from articulating almost like a... a, um, uh, a rotating three-year uh, target to articulating no interest rate hikes till 2024. The yield curve steepened out beyond three years. It was almost like the map of Italy. It was flat and then it just hiked straight up. 
So a lot of people who are holding long duration stocks have already taken some valuation hits and probably taken advantage in recent weeks of the RBA, like other central banks, being stoic and and um, there's been a bit of a rally in the last month or so. I, 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 I think that obviously people are going to have to start playing it more from the short duration side. If you're holding long stocks uh, or long bonds, I think you're going to start um, suffering extended valuation hits. The old days of equities and fixed income being inversely related, they're, they're long gone. I think there's pressure on both markets. So, so what's the market thinking? Is this the start of a correction, this big fall that we're seeing, if we are now starting to take this, um, the potential for rising interest rates more seriously? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, I've been, doing, I've been working in financial markets for th- three decades if we're going to be fair income, no one knows how it's going to manifest itself. This, uh, the fact that we we keep getting clusters arising and we're not quite sure what the final cost of COVID is going to be, employment, people are transitioning from sectors that are uh, withering away, and COVID sort of um, COVID sort of probably accelerated or exacerbated, you know, the 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 rejigging of opportunities within the economy. I think at some point in time we're going to see um, a correction. But the reality is, though, Richard, uh, up until a few months ago, it was one-way traffic. I'd never seen markets that where everybody just virtually had the same opinion. What we're seeing now is a divergence and a dichotomy of opinion, which makes markets more fun. I know it sounds corny to some people, but it's you need volatility to enjoy the markets and to have opportunities to make money. I do think we're going to get corrections in the long term. Whether or not this is the start, I I I don't think so because we need to get more clarity with regards to what the central banks are going to do. Joe Youssef there from Curve Securities, and I'll give him a bit of a, a leave pass. The last time I spoke to him was more than 10 years ago when I was back at Sky News, when I was um, referred to as Richard uh, back in the day. Um, so that's probably why he used Richard a couple of times instead of Ricardo, but that's okay, Joe. Okay, let's move over from the share market now to the time frame for achieving total gender equality in Australia, remaining more than 100 years away. That's when you take into consideration unpaid work. And according to the Financy Women's Index, which actually improved in the March quarter by 0.7 points to 71.6%. What does all of that mean? For more, Raina Serampayat spoke with the founder of Financy, Bianca Harchi Hazelman. The biggest thing that struck me in the Finance Women's Index, supported by Deloitte and the Extra Foundation, is this recovery in female jobs, which I didn't think was possible to this extent when we first started out with COVID. Women were largely the hardest hit when we saw those job losses because of the impact on services sectors in particular, we've seen this huge recovery. Um, and in many cases, the growth rate of that recovery for women is at, a, is at the best it's been for any gender in about 40 years. This is significant. And it's coming at a time where we have more women in the workforce. We've never had a, a period of recession and recovery like this that is appearing to be increasingly female-led. How long that continues is anyone's guess, but at this point in time, that's what's happening. I mean, you know, you would hope that we would get back to pre-pandemic levels in whatever measure that we look at um, yeah. in the economy. So, But you say it's, it's actually gone beyond that and accelerating. Is that, is that correct? And why would that be for women? 
female workforce participation is now at a record high. And what we saw during COVID, at the start of COVID, is that was pushed back in time by about 18 months, just to give you a perspective of just how quick that catch-up has been. So we're now way out in front um, compared to where we were. So that's giving this illusion, I suppose you can say, that the, the jump we've, been, we've seen is significant, but I'm saying it actually is something to really point out and note because not only have we had this bounce, we've come back and we're in front even more. The issue I take with it is we have more women in the workforce um, that are over 35 but millennials are largely being left out of this recovery story, and that's something that's happening for women and men. Okay, so what, what are the reasons then? That's a difficult one to answer, really. You know, you've had the impact of JobKeeper, which for many people, younger people, they were actually earning more on JobKeeper um, and JobSeeker than they perhaps would have been earning in retail or ca other casual forms of work. You also might have more millennial people going back to education, um, studying more, uh, using this time to really do that. So, we're seeing different things occurring. It's not unusual in recoveries for younger generations to be a little bit slower off the mark. When it comes to employment, you've got bosses saying, well, um, this person has a family, I'll give them those shifts over this other person or, you know, there's things like that also likely to be going on. Another really interesting point is in women over 65, the rate of employment recovery for them has actually been better than any other age group. That's really encouraging when you consider that older women, women are the, the fastest growing core cohort, particularly when they're single, of homeless people. So that is a really positive thing that's coming out of the pandemic. Are we looking at any lasting impact then on the broader issues of gender equality and things like super superannuation pay? I think the most um, significant thing for me is that the pace of improvement towards gender equality in the workforce has actually hit its slowest point in four years. So we cannot ignore the fact that the pandemic, although women are helping to lead a recovery out of the pandemic, even though it's lingering on the pandemic, let's face it, um, we can't deny the impact of the coronavirus on that target towards gender equality. There is so much more that needs to be done, which is why we've launched an economic equality pact to try and get government and organisations on board to a time frame of 2030 where they can commit to measures and policy that will actually help to move the dial a bit more towards achieving gender equality because we can't leave this pandemic without taking some positives away from it. And hopefully some of those relate to more flexible work, the awareness of what um, free childcare can do to boost female workforce participation, the importance of paid parental leave that's non-gendered. All of these things can have huge um, benefits to female workforce participation, which can support the economy. And I think these are really critical towards achieving gender equality um, over the next decade and decades to come. Bianca Harchi Hasman there speaking with Raina Sarampayat. That is SBS on the Money. Don't forget you can listen to this as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, the SBS radio app and Spotify. And for more, watch On the Money on SBS World News, 6.30 weeknights. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. 
It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Thank you.